What is up, everybody? I am Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Got a packed show for you today. Glenn Mack now will be on at 12.15 with Ant Sanfilippo. We will be talking Trey Turner, and we also have a huge announcement. So I want to bring on Kevin Kincaid. Man. All right. I mean, we got to, we got, I mean, once we announce this, announce this, we have to cut off Craig's head because we are uh, partnering as well with the Saudis. Um, if Craig continues to fuck up and not get Kevin on at a, a, uh, a respectable enough time, uh, unfortunately, we will have to, he'll have to be a martyr to us. So that's the big announcement. We're merging with the Saudis as well. Um, they just gave us an investment and a, uh, an opportunity that we couldn't pass up. And, uh, I know a lot of other people have felt that way. F1, Uber, SoftBank, and uh, I think there was one today. Do you know which one was today? I don't. I'm reading the Donald Trump uh, tweet that he, he where he called the uh, merger <laughs> about well, a year. Well, today was PGA. <laughs> I just can't. I don't know. The whole thing is just. Uh, I don't know. Jay Monahan, the uh, guy who runs a PGA, it went on that big, uh, you know, thing about 9-11 last year and talked about, uh, you know, all the the moral implications for all these guys to uh, leave the PGA tour and go take the Saudi money. Uh, and, you know, then they turn around less than a year later and they take the Saudi money. So can people stop fucking criticizing other people? Can we just stop that? And then we, when we look at these people that have moral high ground that are just criticizing them for taking money, like I'm done. If you're, if you're this good at what you're, if you're this good at what you do and someone dropped nine figures in front of me, Kev, I'm sorry, but I don't think I could come on crossing broadcast Tuesday to Thursday anymore. If someone dropped 150 million in my face, I apologize, but I want to get out in front of that. All right. We're all, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all compromised. You know, I think it was Greg Norman who came out sometime last year and said a bunch of the sponsors for the PGA Tour do billions of dollars in business with Saudi Arabia every year anyway, you know, and I'm probably doing this on a computer that was made in China. You know, where was my phone made? You know, the where's where was this Motorhead shirt made in like a factory in Lebanon or something? I don't know. Like we're all we're all (laughs) if you like if you. The, the roots of all that stuff go so deep that if you're going to like cleanse yourself of all these like moral um, complications and conflicts and things like that, you'd be like living in a the hut in the woods, man. There's nowhere else to go, you know? So these guys took the money, took the Saudi money, and then the merger happened anyway. They got the last laugh. People like Rory, who they really defended the PGA, and then they didn't find out about this. Apparently, they didn't tell any of the players until, <laughs> until today. I guess they found out on Twitter the same way everybody else did. It's just... It's gross, man. It's not surprising. I'm not, I'm not, that's how things like happen. happen it's now. not shocking because if, if, if everyone, you know, really step back and think about it, it's like your company doesn't care about you. Like in the, in the thick of things, like if you if you work for a big conglomerate, I've worked for Comcast, you've worked for KYW, other conglomerates and whatnot. You are just another cog in the wheel. Now, if you get to, you know, a higher position, maybe you're not. But if you're like an analyst or like a, a entry level position, you are just another cog in the wheel. And you should always, always have that in the back of your mind that you don't owe these people anything. I feel so bad. I don't feel bad for like the Rory's. I don't feel bad for the Tigers. I don't feel bad for the guys who like have made hundreds of million dollars on the golf. I feel bad for like, I don't know, look at Kepka's brother. Kepka's brother got a nice little payout because he went over to live. That dude's never going to yeah. make what he made 
on the PGA Tour. I feel bad for for like the lower guys. You know, like your your your. I don't know. I don't follow golf enough to know the little guys, but you know, your little guys who were definitely approached like, Hey, here's 50, here's a hundred, here's 150 mil. And they said, no, out of loyalty, out of loyalty. And then for them just to turn around and merge with them. And what I really do think happened and and PGA tour did have their hands tied was they were in litigation over antitrust stuff. So basically you look at the Saudis and that $600 billion public investment fund. And then you look at a PGA tour now, big tour, billion dollar tour and everything, but does not have anywhere close to what the Saudis have in their money. So the Saudis probably came to him and was like, hey, listen, we've got enough money that we'll just bleed you dry in court and we'll continue to keep going with live and this, or here's a deal. We can merge. We'll drop the suit. And I think that's what they had to do. I don't think it's right. I don't think, you know, you have Jay Monahan just over a year ago say, you know, you've never had to apologize for being on the PGA Tour. And now he's just getting in bed with same people he was criticizing a year ago it's just well they lost a bunch of their people yeah they lost a bunch of their people and then they had to essentially buy them back you know so the saudis took like a like a one-year rental on these guys and then like cashed in on and now you got the the merger going on it's just uh (laughs) i don't know i i I don't know enough about golf to know like the ins and outs of like which every single specific player who was either for it or against it or what every single person said about it like i remember the things that tiger and rory said i remember what phil mickelson said but uh it's just hard for me to get all like up in arms about the saudi thing because like we and we get oil from saudi arabia which is refined here but yeah you put you put gas in your car you might be compromised you know like yeah we get it from canada and mexico we get oil from canada and mexico where else do we get oil from saudi arabia iraq hmm. um is that america have these oil Latin America, South America, uh, Venezuela. Does Texas still do oil? (laughs) I don't fucking know. I I just, all I know is that like, you know, everybody, everybody's compromised in some way, shape or form. You know, it's like the, it's like the Twitter comeback where it's like, well, you typed that from your like iPhone that was made in a, you know, Mm -hmm. a Shanghai factory or something like that. So I, I, you know, I don't think any of us are so naive to, to not understand that, that, uh, you know, money, money rules everything. Loyalty is dead. Loyalty is officially rest in peace. One BC to 2023. Put it on the headstone. Loyalty is officially dead. (laughs) Yeah. He can't survive this, right? There is no shot he can survive it. He's lost everybody in that room. Well, the players are not. Yeah. I mean, imagine. Yeah. Like Rory is. Would Rory ever want to be involved with him ever again or play on it on a tour that's that's governed by this guy or that that this guy's a part of i mean he should he should probably bow out you know um but that's not gonna happen i wonder if they can force him out you know i think he's i think he's compromised too and tiger's compromised as well because they were starting that tour by themselves i think it was the dp tour is the dp tour the one i don't know yeah. there's that. yes yeah 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 the dp, yeah, the so DP we keep calling it, we keep calling it the pga pga live like merge merger but it's you know it's uh and the thing is, they have, I mean, they, the PJ has, obviously, if you want to go play golf, you got to play on the PGA, so they have them by the balls. But now, Jay Man- Monahan can't uh, can't survive this. Philly fan actually has a really good point. This could happen in the NBA, and it's going to happen in the NBA. It's going to happen in the NFL. Um, it's going to happen just like, you know, soccer is happening right now with the oil money. Newcastle United has a great season. They're backed by oil money a couple years ago. Manchester City, obviously, 
just that, won, I guess, their, their sixth title in as, as many years or in seven years. Something, and something like they, that, yeah. they were, uh, they were on the, uh, they were, you know, not even a, a thing 20 years ago. But now that the NBA has opened up um, ownership to private equity, the next step is just foreign private equity investment. And well, yeah. you, know, you saw it with the, uh, you saw it with the Josh Harris deal. Um, Josh Harris's deal was uh, going under uh, financial restrictions with the NFL, the financial committee. And there was a couple questions about how liquid uh, Josh Harris was, how liquid his partners were, how liquid the the team was and everything. And, and the NFL was kind of realizing that these $5 billion investments, these six, seven, eight billion dollar investments as they, as you know, the future continues that like, there's a lot of guys in America that aren't going to be able to afford this. There aren't many, you know, you know, you have your Walmarts, but you also have your Mark Davises, who's potentially cash poor. Um, well, they, they, yeah. I mean, it's funny too, because you mentioned like Manchester city, you know, I mean, I, the majority of the owners in the premier league now are all foreign. Like it's like a bunch of American owners, a bunch of like middle Eastern, like oil shakes, you know? So, um, you know, it's like, it's all, it's all the people with the, it's a very small group of the same people who make these big investments and, and own these, these teams, you know, it's the world of globalization pig. And actually, you know, Ford uh, brings up a good point here. He says, Bat- what about battery powered mowers? I'm trying to save the environment. What if that lithium for the battery was mined in like, you know, by people, non-union laborers who were uh, imagine a good wage. You know what I mean? Could you imagine non-union laborers mining that battery? They have the rat outside their coal mine, the scabby rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the lithium mine. Where does the lithium come from? You know, we're all compromised, man. We can't <laughs> help it. You know, let's bring on somebody who may not be compromised. Anthony Sanfilippo. You're in your car, man. Where are you going? In the car, man. I had to make a quick doctor's appointment today, so uh, it's about a 20 minute drive from my house. So. And what do you drive? Uh, what, what kind of car do I drive? Yeah. I have a Nissan. <laughs> oh, compromised. <laughs> the Nissan Altima. But you know what? I'm, I am not a car guy. Like, every car that I've ever owned has always been – it's just been something different. Like, it's whatever's, whatever was available at the time. I've driven a Jetta. Uh, my, I've driven Chevys. I've driven Hyundai. It doesn't make a difference. Hey, Ant. <laughs> yeah. Ant. I know you're in the car, but see if you can if you can do something with your volume or whatever. It sounds like it's getting like crackly or modulated or whatever. Um, um, I can hear you okay, but it sounds fuzzy on the on the. Back. Is is that better? Yeah, it's a no, bad. it's all right. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I turn up the volume on the phone. It's about as loud as it can get. Um, all right. Well, um, we'll call on you when needed. How about that? Oh, you 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 don't want me to talk uh, talk about Aaron Nola's pitching performance yesterday? No, we'll, we'll reserve that for a later time. <laughs> Even when he has a good pitching performance, then he bitches about the pitch clock, and it's kind of like, Aaron, you don't really have a ground to stand on. You've kind of struggled this year. You haven't overpowered anybody. Two of your strikeouts came on a pitching violation. How about you just let the pitch clock guy cook, all right? Let the pitch clock guy cook. It's just like having the home scorer who, who gave Edmundo Sosa that error. When it was an error. Probably – it was an error. It was far. He would have had. He would have had. He would have had an out at second. He may not have had it out at first. He would have had the out at second. I don't know. Feels I mean, that cleanly, I, easy. There have been a lot. Yeah. Of, if that was on, if the shoe was on the other foot, and that was a Philly who hit that, and it was at Citizens Bank Park, that probably would have been a hit. Labeled a hit. Well, you got to you got to remember. I I think that they give out too many hits in baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm a much more strict scorer in general. 
So I agree with you that there are too many hits by the official scorer, but there needs to be that needed to be an error. That was an absolute error last night. Well, and if you want like three thousand words on Nola, you can uh, nope. feel, free, feel free to have. No, nope. I, I like when he has good starts, Kev, because then I don't have to hear it. Then I don't have to get all the people bitching and complaining that oh, look at Aaron Nola. I mean, even people last night who said, "Well, oh, we're gonna give him credit for a great performance," he gave up a three-run homer. Like, dude, come on, man. Like, it's it, it is what it is. It's this is the sport today, and he gave up one hit. Against a bad team. I'm not trying to defend Detroit by any stretch of imagination. They suck, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is the guy pitched a good game. Say he pitched a good game. When he pitches a bad game, say he pitches a bad game. Just be honest about it. Don't try and stick to the narrative all the time. That's all. Not going to get an argument from me, man. I know Pagan was – Yeah, because you guys – You put it in – the last time when he pitched a bad game, and I even wrote a headline, Aaron Nola's start was bad, and you got all excited. You did. That I wrote that. You got all excited that I wrote that. And I was like, see? I mean, it's just all I ask is for consistency in you recognize when it's good and you recognize when it's bad and don't have to just stick to one side or the other. All I ask is for fair and balanced journalism, and I appreciate you providing that. Aaron Nola (laughs) has been bad this year, but you know what? He was good last night. Trey Turner was good last night after going 0 for 5. I think he heard Joe Giglio and what he said and how he would give back his contract. And I think Joe's already kind of stepping back a little bit, stepping back a little bit. As, as uh, usual. Which is great. No, that's great. It's, it's, it, hey, listen, it's the dog days of summer. We're June 6th right now. You got to talk about something. And, hey, listen, if you want to talk about giving the guy's contract back two months into his uh, into his 13-year, 11-year deal, whatever it is, then, uh, then go right ahead. But uh, – do you think the before we bring on uh, Glenn? Do you think the boys keep it up? Do you think uh, we go with some momentum into the Dodgers and uh, maybe take two or three? I, I, as I told Bob on Crossed Up uh, yesterday, I, I have a feeling that the Phillies will be 500 on the nose by the end of the month. Okay. And I, I know that's what we're going to say. Well, that's 22 games away from now, and I'm like, yeah. But if you're three games over 500 the rest of the month, that's pretty good. Uh, again, the fact is, is that they shouldn't have gotten off to the bad start that they've gotten off to, and it makes it a little bit harder. But if you're 500 by the end of the month, July and August tend to the, lightens up schedule-wise for you, and it should it should allow them to stay very much in both the division and wildcard races. Um, they just gotta they gotta be able to be at that point at that point of the season at that point of the uh, calendar. When you get to July one, if they're 500, you're okay. If they're Six, seven games below 500 at that point, then you got, then that's time to hit the panic button because then it's probably not going to happen for you this year. Hey, Ant, what, um, what, what do you, did you notice anything differently about the way that Trey Turner was, uh, swinging the back? Cause he said that he made an adjustment, but it was kind of vague. He just talked about like his hip and his, uh, what do you say, his back leg or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I did not. Ant, Ant, when are you home? When are you getting home? I mean, are you hitting potholes right now? My God, what is going on over there? I will, I will mute myself when I'm not speaking. That'll help you, okay? Oh, that's um, when you do speak that sucks. <laughs> oh, hey, this is, the, this is the, the, the area we live in, man. The roads are not good. I'm driving on 476 at the moment, and you, think it's, you would think it would be smooth, but it's not. 
it's uh it's a little he's on like three he's on like three he's on like 3g right now he's still <laughs> using like the original like no, it's five it's 5g by the way it's 5g uh but no i i did not see anything with turner personally um i kind of felt like he was having trouble with pitch recognition because i felt like he was late on fastballs a lot um and i also felt like he was guessing on some pitches, which is why he would be way out in front on breaking stuff. So, no, I didn't see anything that was a mechanical adjustment. Um, yeah. but, if he, but if he says there was one, I, I don't think he's lying to us, right? I mean, that's – but a lot of times it's, it's hard for, you know, just watching on TV to see what that adjustment could be. Yeah. All right, well, let's get somebody to do a side-by-side, -side and we'll see if we can figure it out. Um, I think we got Glenn now. He's on his phone now, so if we want to try bringing him up, we'll see if we can uh, hear him all right and see if he can hear us. Hey, guys. Hey. I hear you great. Oh, You're awesome. You're 476. Are you, Glenn? <laughs> I am not. I am in my office at my house. Good. You sound great, unlike Thank somebody. You. Nice to see you guys. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll we'll just leave we'll leave Anthony kind of just driving over there, and then we'll um if we if we need to <laughs> if we need to ref to to refer to him, we'll we'll go to him for that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So what's going on, Glenn? You got the um the beer release coming up on Thursday, the Fransky and LA beer um, at Conchahawken Brewing. Um, that's part of uh, you've done a couple releases with uh, some of the broadcasters for other teams so far. So um, so yeah, tell us about that. So, yeah, so um, we started doing, uh, there you go, collaborations with uh, local broadcasters, local legends in broadcasting. We did Mark Zumoff. We did one with Marilyn Mike, and this is our third, which is Fransky NLA, Bedlam at the Bank Golden Owl. I know that you will be delighted that it, it Kevin, that it is not an IPA. That's the first um, thing I noticed, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, proceeds for it go to uh, the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative, which is a great charity that aims to make sports more accessible to kids who may not otherwise have the chance. Uh, so we do that with the beer, which is for sale everywhere, including at the ballpark. And we also have a huge uh, charity event on Thursday night, six to nine at our place in Bridgeport, three to Calp Street in Bridgeport. Scott and Larry will be there. The Fanatic will be there. Joe Conklin, Bernie Perron is going to auction a jersey right off of his back. Um, Live auction, silent auction, a lot of beer. 20 bucks is all it costs to get in. That gets you the buffet. Um, lots of fun, lots of people, and we're looking for a good turnout to raise money for the charity. Dude, I love a good buffet. You, you, sold, me, you sold me on the $20 buffet. Hey, what's it like being a, uh, a beer mogul? That's a pretty cool job, man. It, it, listen, my, my life is that I get paid to talk about sports and drink beer, and um, there is no way I can complain about any any single bit of that. The beer stuff is fun. Now, understand, I own a, a, a small percentage of the company, so they they neither let me into the, the brew room nor do they let me make important financial decisions. But every once in a while, I get to add something to the menu or get to make a, a fun deal like this. So it's great, man. And there's always a seat at the bar for me. So that's good. So you guys did uh, – you started this series, I guess, with the Mark Zumoff uh, beer, the Zooisms, and then you had a uh, Marilyn Mike beer as well. Is this like a series? Are you going to uh, like complete it with the Flyers? Are we going to get like a uh, Jonesy release or something like that coming up to uh, com complete the uh, the four for four theme here? You're a very intuitive person. Not, in a, position, not in a position to announce <laughs> anything, but uh, wheels, wheels are spinning. I'll, I'll say that. Glenn, can we wait for him to win a game before we just we just crown 
Keith Jones and Danny Briere, the next coming of the great Flyers uh, front office. I mean, I, I want him to be good just as bad as anyone. I know Ant's going to go nuts. He's just he's racing home right now. But like yeah. between the documentary, between now they got the snow, the goalie guys in their back pocket, Val Camillo, <laughs> Keith Jones, like all like those guys did nothing but criticize the Flyers for two years. Now we're giving beers out for the guys like, come on, what is this? Is Philly getting soft? Well, if my, my, well, no, Philly loves Keith Jones and Philly loves Danny Briere. So the Flyers did a really good job of putting in two people who are universally liked. Whether or not they can do the job remains to be seen. Um, although I do think bringing in Dan Hilferty to run the whole show is a great mm -hmm. idea because they were really detached from the community. And Anthony, I have, have talked about this. They, they lost their way when Ed Snyder left. They kind of lost their way in being in touch with people. Hilferty is a guy who knows everybody in town, knows all the players. I mean, I don't want to get sidetracked. We know some of this was born out of the Sixers' desire to build their own arena. But getting back to the beer, putting the Keith Jones beer, if we do it, and again, if, 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 you know, uh, I, I, my goal is to get it out early before they would lose too many games. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm guessing that there are uh, uh, logistics to be figured out as far as which direction to go in as far as a title on something like that, too, because – you know, Jonesy's got a personality that may not want it to be all about him, but at the same time show the, the funny side of him as well, right? I mean, that, I think that is that a fair way of, of, of describing it, Glenn, without letting out too many details? We're all a little bit ahead of the game on this one, so uh, we'll uh, I'll just uh, let's see how that all plays out. Secret, yeah, just, yeah, just, we're here. And I didn't mean for that to turn into a whole yeah. thing about whatever. I was just like, well, there's one more team to go, you know. There's broadcasters or whatever, but but I, I, you did do a Flyers beer at some point, right? In the past, I, we I did a Ghost that? beer. Yeah, when yeah. Uh, when Shane Ghost Bear was young and looking really mm. promising, and and I thought <laughs> the future of puck handling defenseman for the Fry, Flyers, we did yeah. a a ghost beer. Um, and that, uh, that's all really well at the moment uh, or at the time. Yeah. So, you know, it's, listen, we, and we're not the only brewery that does this, right. We want to be in touch with the local fan base and shockingly sports fans like beer. And so if we can find something to tie it to, that's great. Mm -hmm. And we like doing charity beers. We've done a bunch of those. And if you can tie a charity beer to somebody who's really popular, like Merrill and Mike, like Fransky in LA, well, it's going to do well for everybody. Do you Glenn, when you guys hang on real quick, I got one one follow up on that. When you guys do like a like a limited uh like release or like a short line or something like that, how do you how do the brewers decide what they want to do? Is it just something that they were like working on, or like how do you decide between if it's gonna be like an IPA or a gold nail or something? Like what's the process on how they determine that? The best one was when we when we did with Mark Zumoff. And by the way, that started because Mark came to us, which we were really flattered about. It was his idea. And he had definite ideas about what he wanted it to be, um, which I thought was great, which was a, you know, like a 5.5% IPA, which is the most popular beer there is. That's what people drink. Uh, when we went to Merrill and Mike, Merrill, who doesn't really drink beer, said, go with what you want. Our first release on that was really hefty. It was like an 8.5% double IPA, and it was a great beer. But we decided as it went on to do more of a tailgate beer. So we did Mike and Merrill, which was the second release in that, which was a 5.3. With this, we decided to make a real summary tailgate beer thinking that people will be out of the ballpark through June, July. Keep it light, keep it crisp, move away from an IPA and just make it a golden ale. So kind of sometimes it fits the season. 
Are you? Uh, do you rather partner with commenta- commentators or or people you know that are going to be there for a while? Unlike uh, unlike players, because I, I remember like during Christmas time, during the Sixers process era, like you couldn't buy a jersey because it was just you didn't know if the guy was going to be there at the trade deadline. I know people who bought you know Drew Holiday jerseys going into that summer. People who bought TJ McConnell jerseys. All of a sudden, two months they're done. Kind of like the uh, the Ghost Beer, I guess, in a way. I don't know how long he was on the team after that. That worked really well at the time, but yeah, I mean, that's that that was a while back. Here's what I think: in this town, the, the broadcasters are are legendary. Philadelphia, mm-hmm. we are really lucky. We don't always have great teams, but we have a, um, a roster of broadcasters in this town who are iconic. Um, we did a thing on the show the other day, which is you know kind of an old chestnut that everybody does, but it's like, who does everybody love in this town? Who? Who is there that nobody dislikes? Merrill and Mike are at the top of the list. Fransky and L.A. at the top of the list. Those are the people who year in and year out people see and love. Harry and Whitey back in the day. Because they stay forever, because everybody knows them, and in their case, everybody loves them. So, hey, I'm happy to partner with those guys. One of those people that you're talking about, Ray Diddy. I mean, he's universally beloved in this uh, in this town. How's it been? How's it been the uh, the transition with with Mike Sealski and sometimes Jody Mack on the weekends? Yeah, that was a really good segue. <laughs> Hey, we got a future in this. <laughs> Speaking of people who don't drink beer, Ray Dinger. We will not be doing a wow. Red Di- Ray Dinger beer. Wow. Um, okay. How has it been? It's been it's been on the one hand, really, I don't want to say difficult for me, really bittersweet for me because I worked with Ray for 21 years. I love the man. I love him as a radio partner and I love him as a friend. Still do. So I'm last week. Um, be- best guy you could ever possibly work with. So when Ray told me he was leaving and when we went through that, that was really tough. On the other hand, the station really has been great to me. Management at WIP came to me and said, okay, Ray's leaving. Who do you want to work with? And they let me choose who I wanted to work with. Um, I went to Mike because I thought Mike's kind of the closest there is to Ray. He's a real objective, smart columnist, good writer, sharp guy. Uh, hadn't done a lot of radio before, which is what I wanted. I didn't want somebody who was just like overly familiar to everybody. I wanted to bring a, a, a semi-new voice. I mean, he had done guest appearances, but he never had any kind of regular gig. Um, and then on the other hand, Jody is the guy who I broke into radio with. Anthony knows. He was there. And Jody, going back to Jody, Jody and I would do reunion shows once in a while, but going back to Jody's like, and I said this to him, and, I, and I'm not sure he took it the right way. It's like putting on a pair of comfortable shoes. It's just really easy and really fun. And with Jody, it's not work at all. It's just as it was with Ray hanging out with a good friend. Glenn, I think I remember you saying something to me along the lines of uh, the WIP and management were really like amenable to to like you kind of looking for who you wanted to and having like some some a lot of control, I guess, in the process of determining who was going to. Uh, you know, replace Ray. How did that all work out with, with Rod and, and all those guys? Well, Rod was the guy when Ray was retiring. Um, Rod said to me, what do you want to do? And, uh, I, I, and because at one point I had kind of floated the idea of Ray and I going out together, um, except that Ray retired earlier than I, than I thought. I thought Ray was going to stay at least another year. And then Ray, he's out. It's like, oh, I guess I'm not ready to retire. So Rod came to me and said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'm not ready to retire. He said, good. He said, 
it's your show. You know, you tell me who you want to work with and we'll try to make it work. I especially, and that's, that's the way it happened. I especially appreciate it because Jody's been on the payroll. He's been a part-timer for a while, but Mike was not. And you know, guys, with any company these days, anywhere, bringing in a new guy who hadn't been there is always a bit of a challenge as you run it up the corporate ladder. And so um, Rod didn't resist that idea at all. Um, we went out to lunch with Mike and talked about it all. And, you know, it, it was great. They, they gave me the opportunity to find people who I thought would be good. And I think both those guys are good. And I'll be honest with you. I think Mike, um, has a future in this thing long-term long after I retire. I think Mike's a guy who you could really help build the station on. I had just one thing just to kind of throw in just so we don't lose a, a you know, go backwards here. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you, I don't want you to kind of, you know, name names or anything. But one thing I think is important for people to understand is this wasn't just like, oh, I went out and found Mike Sealski and, and talked to Jody and, you know, it was quick and easy. Like you had a real process, right, behind the, you know, behind the scene. Like there was a lot of research that you were doing, not just on your own, but like asking other people, hey, what do you yeah. think? And like really kind of thinking about a wide range of potential names in this town that would have been good fits and, and you found what, what turned out to be the two best for you. Um, well, you're right. Um, Jody, not as much, because I kind of knew, always knew Jody. And so that that part was was kind of easy and, and early. But yeah, and, and Anthony, you're, I imagine you're one of those people I came to at the time. And I had, a, I had my list of like four or five guys that I really thought would work. And again, I, I, for me, it was, and I love the people at the station, so I don't mean to make this sound anything, but, but I wanted somebody who was going to be new and different. I like to, every show on the station is different. I think every show should be different. I want my show to be different. Certainly the show I, I was able to do with Ray was, was very different from a lot of them. And I wanted to kind of keep that thing going. And yeah, I, I asked around, there was one other guy who I was really interested in also. And it, it came out to be Mike and it worked out great. Yeah, that's what I was going to follow up with, because, you know, that the theme of that whole show with with Ray um, and with you as well was that it was it was very pragmatic and very just straightforward sports talk. You know, certainly it was somewhat of a departure of what you got Monday to Friday on the main day parts, um, you, you know, and when you were looking for a replacement for Ray, I mean, was that at the forefront of your mind? Like, hey, this is this is what this show is known for. Like, we have to at least like keep this uh, brand, for lack of a better word. I guess. Yeah. Although the only thing I'll disagree with you is it's all straightforward sports because we do talk a lot about it, the other stuff, including TV, which I think is something we're going to get to today. But we do. Yeah. And we talk about our lives and our, you know, everything we're going through. But yeah. So when people when people ask this to me, this is this is what I say. We we kind of have an advantage. I do. I did. Listen, I did a lot of day parts. I did middays for a lot of years, mostly with Jody, with Anthony. I did afternoon drive for a lot of years. I did evening six to 10 for a lot of years. I did after flyers games for a lot of years. Working the shift I do now, which is just the weekend, it's almost, I'll compare it to, um, I don't have to be on ABC, NBC, CBS. I can be like a streamer. We can make our show. We don't have to appeal to the largest possible audience although I always like to get people listen, we can be more of, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have to be the large cornerstone store in the mall. We can be the, the little boutique store. So we, we have more freedom to do what we want. And that's, you know, that's a beautiful thing at my stage of life. Uh, I'm your audience at 1am 
when you guys come on NBC Sports and I'm just sitting there after the bar and being like, oh, I got to get to this bar. Or I got to try this beer. That, that's me. When you go, when they oh, now the you're talking about the beer show. Yeah, the, yeah, I'm talking about the beer show. Yeah. yeah. Um, the beer show is amazing because it's two old guys sitting around talking about beer and we've we've lasted seven seasons with that concept. And we have a we have a question from one of our uh, our listeners. Can Glenn say how long does it take to film an episode of What's Brewing? And do they finish all the beers that are open? <laughs> Very important question. Second question first. There's no way we can possibly finish all of the beers that we open. And sad to say, many great beers die. Uh, you know, with, with half of the beer left in there, it is it's a crime. Um, how, so the show, it's a half hour show every week and it takes us, uh, you know, a little more than an hour with the stops and the starts and the guests and so on. But, uh, yeah, entirely fun thing to do. Glenn, you were a Seinfeld watcher, right? Yeah, sure. You remember the, uh, the episode where they create the store that makes muffins, but they only sell the muffin tops. Sure. And so they get, yeah. they don't know what to do with the muffin bottom. Top of the muffin to you. Top of the muffin to you, right? But so, like the bottom of the muffin is the leftover beer and what's brewing, yeah. right? Surely you can find somebody to come, like like drink them for you, right? We do, and sometimes we'll do them in front of an audience, whether that audience is five people or thirty five people. And I always do say, "Hey, I got a half a can here of this this great Kolsch. Who wants it?" So I do try to find a home for those those lonely stray beers. <laughs> Glenn, going back to the radio, you you've you've interviewed like some some brilliant people. You've had you know great interviews on the weekends with you, Ray Diddy. You know your time there. I was uh, I was talking to Amp before the show, and uh, you know he was your producer from back in the day, and yeah. he brought up uh, he brought up the Fergozi thing oh, way back in the day. That's, that's which, the one, huh? Which I had. There's there's other. We'll talk about great sports talk or great sports debate too. But there, he told me about this, and I've done more research on this than I've had for a lot of things. But if anyone doesn't know, back in '94, Jim Fergozi, and you were working at WIP at this time, correct? I just started. I started December '93, so I was there for like five months. Yeah. Man, the balls on you. This this actually adds to the story a lot. Uh, so Fergozi, back in 1994, led the '93 uh, uh, Phillies to the World Series. The people who listen to WIP are in South Philly fucking their sisters and the people who work for WIP are fucking their mothers. So Phillies obviously make him apologize. He's taking questions, but he only wants to take questions about the team. So you step up. Well, let let me back you up. Let me back you up. So he has to hold this apology news conference because it gets out, right? Uh, Somebody, I think at the inquiry ended up telling Howard and Howard is the one that Writes the story on the radio, which was appropriate because he's probably the one that Jim was talking about the most. Um, So, and I say that as a compliment to Howard. So they hold this apology news conference. I just said, I'm going down to it. So he reads a statement, which is the most bland statement, clearly written by the PR director. Fergosi had nothing to do with it. And he he says, like, "Uh, questions. And so somebody says, like, yeah, you know, what are you going to do at second base now that Morandini's injured or whatever? And he's like, he gets bailed out immediately. He gets bailed out. And he's because because the other people there at the time kind of agreed with him on WIP and that we were all screwing our mothers and sisters. So two or three questions in, I realized like this thing is about to disappear into the ether. And if I don't get in there, nobody's going to ask the questions. So I said, listen, you know, I, I heard your prepared statement, but really, what would you say to those people in South Philly who are real baseball fans have been coming down here, you kind of insulted them. And he says, everything I had to say was in the statement. And he moves on, and I think he's trying to get another question. I said, well, wait, wait, but, you know, 
you're really condemning people. You're saying people did this horrible thing. I think you need to speak a little more on it. He says, I'm only taking questions on the team. <laughs> and nobody says anything. And like, you know, it feels like 30 seconds passed. Yeah. It's probably like 10. And I'm waiting for somebody to like ask a question, follow up to my question. Is like, anybody any questions on the team? So I very... Uh, <laughs> snarkily if that's an adverb said so how's the team and he gave me he gave me that fish eye that Fergosi could do so well and um yeah that was it yeah made for good radio yeah fantastic radio and that's all we're trying to do out here in philadelphia and were you uh were you at wp then or were you still that was before that was before i got there by the way i'm in the house now if you haven't noticed I, I you sound did. you I sound great but- yeah, so yeah. Where was out. where was your doctor in the Poconos? You were like in the car for like an hour trying to trying to. It was in Wayne. It was in Wayne, and I had to drive back to Springfield. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Glenn, uh, you wanted to you wanted to talk a little bit about the Angelo thing, um, yeah. because obviously I'm not an Angelo guy, and I wrote a. Uh, I, well, let's be honest. I killed him on the way out the door. Um, you worked with him for forever. You obviously have a different, uh, you know, viewpoint on all that. So uh, we can have a very. Um, you know, fair. Yeah. And I re- listen, I respect, I respect your opinion. Um, and I also understand where you're, where you're coming from and what you like and what you don't like. But I think if I interpret you correctly and I, and I believe you referred to Angelo as appealing to the hoagie eaters or something along those lines. Hoagie mouse, um, yeah. 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 Hoagie mouse, almost yeah. Fergosi esque in that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's the Fergosi of crossing broad. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Angelo. And, and uh, you know, I make no bones about it. Angelo helped get me my job. He vouched for me and helped me get get me into WFA. I worked with Angelo at the Philadelphia Inquirer beforehand, and he was a brilliant writer who I had the opportunity to do some investigative stories with back in a previous life. Um, but Angelo built WIP, which is an institution here, which which will remain so long after he's gone it's got an astounding listenership and it's he's the number one guy in the history of it tom bigby's probably number two and the rest of us all kind of fall in way after that um while angelo had that side to him that could be goofy and silly and not you know whatever you think it is profane and low life terrific interviewer would hold people's feet to the fire i mean you know ask gabe kapler how he feels about angelo um had a terrific comedic sense. That show would make you laugh all the time. Knew how to build a team. That team he built with Rhea and Al and Conklin and then the part-timers, that team sustained for 20 years, was at the top of the ratings for decades, not just because of Wingbull or you know whatever it is that, that you don't like, but because it was funny and it was smart and it played at different levels. And I, you know, I, I think Angelo is the single most important sports media figure in this town over the last quarter century. I think that you have to, when you're talking about Angelo kind of separate out like two different things, you have to talk about like the brand that he built and the longevity that he had <clears throat> at the stage and the success that he had there for many years, which is, which is indisputable. You know I mean? Like you, when you go back and look at radio in this like threshold radio in this, in this town, like 20, 30 years from now, who, I mean, who are you going to be talking about? You're going to be talking about Angelo, Preston and Steve, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Pierre Robert, 
Mm-hmm. You know, even though Pierre was more of a jockey and played music, but he was a large. Yeah, no, but he had a, he, he, he's got a big, big time personality. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then, so that's I would, one. I would put a certain Sixers uh, arena announcer on that list too. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, but there's only a handful. I mean, like, can you even mm-hmm. get to you know five or six, right? So I, I have no disputing that, and like, certainly, like, understand the brand that he built and the success he had in. You know, in, in growing that show and then sustaining it over over that many years. Um, but I think like when you say he's a great interviewer, like I agree. And he worked at the Inquiry, very smart. Um, you guys got a master's degree from Columbia, for Christ's sake, you know? So so when I see him doing the like, what I feel is the disingenuous playing to the lowest common denominator portion of the fan base, where it's like, this guy's got to be fired and this guy didn't hustle to first base and blah, 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 blah. That's what would always bother me. Because I knew there was a really, really smart guy in there. I felt like some of the stuff that we were getting from him was disingenuous, right? You know, I, I don't, I yeah. didn't, didn't like the knee jerk, like, like always outrage, always mad about something because I didn't think it was like, like practical or pragmatic. I felt like that kept fans like, you know, like. And, 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 and the argument that I made back in, in my rebuttal to Kevin's story in, in that very vein, that very, very um, construct is it's more about who the audience is and less about who the person is that's hosting the show. And at that point, what Angela would do in those moments, especially when it was the morning after, right? The morning after it happened, a Monday morning after an Eagles game or after a bad Phillies loss or whatever, he was channeling the emotion of all the people together and presenting it as one emotional experience. And yes, is it a little bit, accentuated over what a rational fan would be of course it is of course yeah. it is so, but it channels so, that and it and it and it embodies what the feeling of the majority is and it's manifested in one person and i think that that was what he was trying to accomplish i think that's a big part of it. i think to a degree he's got to play a role and and kevin i think if he plays it as straight as as you would want him to do uh, he ain't going to last for those 30 years and, it, and it's, and it's not going to be successful. So yeah. to my way of thinking you, you, I mean, you don't have to do anything, but a, a discerning person such as yourself has to kind of buy that part of it to get all of the good stuff that is in there because mm-hmm. there's a ton of good stuff. You know, it used to be back when I was younger that on a Monday morning, you would open up the Inquirer, the daily news or whatever to find out. What does Bill Lyon have to say? What does Bill Conlon have to say? What does Ray have to say? You know, what is, what do those guys have to say? The the voice that people turn to on Mondays, Angelo, and and it was for not now, but it was for for years, and and it was a smart voice. Yeah, I, you know, and it, it's interesting because I think like Angelo, to his credit, really understood right at the beginning that in order to make morning radio work, it's got to be a certain way. It has to be entertaining. Yeah. Like like Glenn and Ray would not work five days a week from six no. to ten a.m. In the same way that Angelo's show probably would not work twice on the on the weekends. Yeah, you know? and, so and I, when I when I did middays or afternoon drive at WIP um, with Jody or with Anthony, I did a different show than I did with Ray. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I listen, I was I was younger in my life. I, I I I used to get more fired up about that crap. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know what my thing is. I just like feel like, you know, even look at Crossing Broad. I mean, we do we have our brand where it's goofy and, and whatnot. But, you know, I, I feel like even though you get you get some layoffs out of it, maybe you learn something at the same time. I feel like there's like kind of this ancillary responsibility where we're all trying to like just raise the level of discourse a little bit. 
to 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 yeah, one- but but you and and Kyle does it brilliantly. You do those goofy man on the street interviews. You you do put in that stuff. Yeah. Now, just if if I may digress, I appreciate what Crossing Broad has become versus what it used to be. Right. So everybody changed. You guys would, I assume, no longer have Howie Roseman goes to the bathroom on an airplane. Stuff, right. <laughs> but probably he won't. Probably. No one will tell I us. I hope not. No one tells us. Not. We're going to have to write that story. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, I mean, you know, Mike Richards at a bar at two in the morning, that kind of stuff, which was the beginnings of Crossing Broad. And, and I love Crossing Broad for what it is now, which is a blend of real journalism that you guys have done it, Kevin, you have done it. And a lot of fun stuff too, so you know we all evolve. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. I I just think it's funny because there's like this is my last point about the Angela thing, and then I want I actually don't let me forget this. I do want to ask you about the Inquirer because I have heard you. Yeah. I heard you and Ray talking about it um, the year you know before he left. Yeah. Um, the last point I was going to make, I just lost it. Did I just lose what I was going to say? Something about Angela. Um. Yes, the last part of Angela. Oh, I was going to say that I, th- I think there's like a little bit of a generational thing that goes on yes. with all of it, too, because I, n- I don't think that like I'll use my dad for for an example. He's uh, he turned 73 in February and he listened to Howard and Angela. We always had WIP on the car when I was going to, you know, baseball practice in Boyertown or whatever. Right. I think like I think like if you're probably like 40 and under like 35 and under, I don't think we hang on wins and losses, maybe the way that, that other people do. Like, I don't get like as mad about a loss or I don't, it doesn't bother me as much to the point where I feel like I well, need you guys to put like, up with, you guys put up with a half a decade of losing on purpose. So well, maybe not. that's why maybe we were just numb. We were all, I mean, we were a lot of us were on board in that too, because I know you was, were. Yeah, that's, much, that's the most generational argument I ever saw in this town. <laughs> that, but I, mean, I, don't, I guess really I don't. people over 45, people under 45. Boom. Yeah, it's 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 really different. I, I just don't feel the need to like when the Eagles lose, I feel like I can go outside and like, you know, move, well, okay. move on to the so, next thing. You know I mean? So so you're right. So clearly, look, the station's changed, right? Station has a new lineup and I'm not in the target demographic for the station anymore. I would not be good doing, you know, Monday through Friday. Well, I mean I can do probably a midday, but I'm not gonna host a morning show or an afternoon drive show on WIP. I'm I'm too old to do it. I'm not in the generation that's listening to it. And that's fine. It ought to, you know. So now you got uh, Joe DeCamera, Joe Gillio, those guys who are presumably appealing to a younger audience. Yeah. Uh, it moves on. It evolves. I mean, they, has it changed much? I don't think so. Like, I, I mean, we just had, we were just talking about Joe wanting to give back the, the Trey Turner contract, whether he believes it or not and stuff like I don't know. I mean, we got the camera kind of freaking out, doing a little bit of the Angelo model because I think I don't know if they want to do their own thing or they have to do the Angelo model because the people at WIP are telling them that we need to keep Angelo's people on and stuff. Well, here, here, here's the one thing I'll say, and Joe can speak to his own dumb opinion on that one. But here's <laughs> here's the one thing I'll say. Uh, all of the years I've been at WIP, no one has ever told me what opinion I'm supposed to have. Back in the early days, as Anthony knows, we had a program director who would say, "Don't." Don't talk baseball or don't talk that or don't talk that since he's been gone in the last 20 years, there is nobody in WIP management who tells people what to talk about. That's really true. I know often, even hockey, even hockey, Glenn. He, he, hockey is up to the individual host. And I, and I talk hockey all the time. Um, and I think a lot of hosts believe whether they're right or wrong, that you lose um, too much of the audience when you talk about hockey. And I'm cognizant of that. 
I really am. Um, because I do think hockey, unfortunately, where the Flyers are now, uh, is, is a sport that more people don't care about than do. But I will always, I'll always try to find time for it. Yeah, just to put a, a little bow on it real quick, Ant, you're on mute. Uh, just to put a little bow on it and stuff, like it, it was interesting to say like that you like crossing broad now compared to you know us you know us getting two a.m. shots of uh, of yeah. Jeff Carter and Drew. And the, con- and the comment section was always a sore point. Yeah, the comment section, yeah, that was before my time. I don't really speak. Yeah, on yeah, that, yeah. But- I'm not. I'm not going I'm after on- any of you guys. Please. No, I'm. Yeah. A, but I'm, by the way, I'm on the I'm on the record as saying like I never liked the comment section. So I I think people yeah. know that though. So. Okay. So. But that in my generation, I loved morning carts. I loved seeing what like the players were doing down in Sea Isle. Like I still think about that stuff. Yes, like so. growing up, like well, I was, but I was in that perfect generation of being. Yeah, you 13, were what? 14, 15, fifteen at the time. Fifteen years old. So I thought all that shit was really funny, and that's kind yeah, of, of course. It's just funny hearing you say that. You know what you like now, and but you also with the times and everything, we couldn't be doing half the stuff. Weeble. Like go back to Wingbo. Wingbo could not happen right now unless no. they just uh, did a complete 180 on it, and that's just yeah, kind they of would, they would have to do Wingbo as an entirely different <laughs> event. They would they would be smart. I heard Al Morgani say this uh, the other day, and I think he's right that if Wingbo ever came back, it would have to be the most family friendly event ever created. You'd just go entirely the opposite way, yeah. and that that maybe you could do, but um, you got to take everyone's Wingbo- phone. <laughs> That's what Pardon you me? have to do. You have to take everyone's phone if you want to be wing bowl from back in the day. No yeah, one can well, have a phone. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure but, everybody keeps their clothes on. You would have to look more like the Coney Island, like hot dog eating contests on like the yeah. 4th of July or something. And let well, fewer, fewer porn stars walking around the, the Wells. Well, I, the one thing I wanted to ask guys and, and Glenn, you can kind of talk about this because this was your, your baby when it happened. Would a show like the great sports debate work today? Mm. Um, well, so the great sports debate, um, was a show that, I mean, I'll, I'll brag and tell you that I conceived to do, Oh, look at those guys. Holy crap. <laughs> almighty. Hey, what was look the, what was the uh, whose idea was it to have Mark Ganty have a dog in front of him in the picture? That was Al entirely. Al used to bring the dog to the set of the show every week. The dog was the star of the show. People loved the, the dog. dog Fenway. Fenway yeah, was the dog and Fenway would like fall asleep or fart or do whatever in the middle of the show. <laughs> he was it. So, I mean, I don't know how much time you have, but I'll, I'll try to tell no, you the story. Okay. I got nowhere to go. Me neither. Um, okay. So years ago, I'm watching a show on, um, I forget the sports channel. Was that the name of it? It was a national sports station. Yeah. And there was a show out of Chicago called sports writers on TV which was these really old guys. Bill Joss was one of them and so on. The youngest guy was Rick Tellinger. He was the only guy not in his 70s. And it's a bunch of guys smoking cigars, sitting around a table talking sports. This is before ESPN. This is before Fox Sports Next, before all of this. And I said, well, hell, we could we could do that. So I ran it by Angelo and Jason Stark and Al, and everybody was up for it. And we went to Prism at the time. God, I love Prism. And um, we pitched it, and to our shock and not knowing what to do next, they said, yes, you're on in two weeks. So it was a show of, none of nobody who knew how to do TV just sitting around and taking our radio or our bar conversations onto TV. It was much more low concept than what you have now, 
but it is now kind of you know what every show on ESPN or Fox Sports is. It was it was it was that. And again, we got seven years out of it. We never knew if anybody was watching, except it turned out that everybody was watching. And the funny thing is, so we bring the show back in like 2005 or something like that. Actually, Kyle Scott. I got Kyle Scott a gig on the show. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> seems to be a little bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, got him some airtime. Paid, paid me back. Uh, so, so, um, we brought it back and when we brought it back with it, with a new, you know, John Clark was with us and it, you know, it was modernized a little bit. And they also brought back the reruns from 1991 to 1994 and the reruns got three times the ratings of the new show. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was really stupid, but it was fun. Listen, I've done two TV shows in my life. One just sitting around arguing with Alan, Angelo, and Jason, and the other drinking beer. And I've got seven years out of each of those. So there's no accounting for the low standards of viewers. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. Uh, we understand that with our viewers. I mean, the comment section, shout yeah. out for it. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. I actually, that's actually a good segue here. Cause you, you ask yourself if like a, uh, even like a daily news live or whatever, you know, which was popular back was then. Good. And it, you know, it went away. I mean, look, first of all, NBC sports Philadelphia is doing much less original programming in general. I mean, like it's, it's as bare bones as it could be, but you know, you couldn't even really staff it with a lot of those guys because they, you know, the inquire pretty much bought out everybody who was, you know, 50 yeah. plus 55 plus or whatever. And I, I found that to be very fascinating. I mean, we wrote a lot about that for the site. I didn't hear a lot of people discuss it, but I did hear you and Ray talk about it on, on the radio show about just the, I, I, I don't know, not, not even like a, um, not even necessarily having opinions on it, but just that was a monstrous like shift to lose, I, I guess, a lot of that institutional knowledge and, you just had a lot of guys who had been there for forever and the way that whole thing went down with the inquire and them having to buy out all these people because of the BLM stuff. I mean, I thought that was a huge story that kind of went under the radar. Well, yeah, because who would cover it other than them? Right. I mean, they're, they're and they're not going to cover themselves that critically. Um, so the thing about it was I understand the economic situation. I'll leave, I'll leave the, the BLM thing out for a moment, but that, that certainly started the ball rolling, but the mistake they made, the biggest mistake I, I thought they made is, OK, so you're going to bring in some younger people and you're going to fade and you're going to get rid of the older people. I just don't understand why they did it all so quickly instead of kind of phasing it in, you know, saying, OK, we're going to bring in a young person to cover hockey. Let me leave hockey out of it for a moment. We're going to bring in some young people to cover football. OK, but we're going to keep on the people who really know it and know the context and know where the bodies are buried and know the history so that we can kind of get a blend while these young people are learning their craft. Because if somebody worked at newspapers for 15 years and covered beats, you're much better on the beat in the fifth year than you are in the first year. And somebody who's been there for a long time has value and has knowledge that even if you want to kind of slow it down, you don't just throw those people out. And I, and I felt the inquire just threw all those people out. Brought in a lot of young people, some of whom I think are really good. I think Alex Coffey on baseball is really good. I mean, we could probably mention a few others I think are good. But some of whom I read and I feel like I'm reading a college newspaper. Um, and that's uh, – it's it's the goddamn inquire. It's, it's, it was 
one of the greatest papers in America. I was privileged to work there when that thing was winning Pulitzer Prizes every year. And I feel like it, it, we talked about change and evolution and I agree that it's a good thing, but man, you, you don't just do it overnight. No, no. And I think that was the tough part, you know, is that they kind of, um, you know, it almost like they painted themselves into a corner, right? Because look, let's say, for example, let's concede that maybe the inquiry did need some new blood. Okay. Well, I mean, you got rid of like everybody though. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't some like gradual thing. I mean, like that, that was, it was a purge. Like, let's yeah. not call it anything other than that. Like it, it was a, it was a purge. And, you know, when you go to Temple and you have to have them commission a report and the report says, you know, you're too old, you're too white, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, I mean, if you commission the report, but you don't act on it, then then what? You know what I mean? So it's almost like they kind of forced their own hand in a way. And then um, I think just in the rush to sort of regain compliance, for a lack of better word, um, maybe maybe just push things a little too too quickly or oh, way too fast listen yeah. and i understand the new newspaper's got to reflect its audience and as an old white guy in the business i appreciate that you can say there's too many old white guys but i mean now i'll, I'll say it again and you said it too <laughs> do, do it over some time don't just throw out everybody who's good yeah <laughs> hey we had a we had a couple questions in the in the in the comments section one guy uh asked uh, multiple times so i want to read his Best interview you've ever done over your career and then worst interview you've ever had over your career. Um, Charles Barkley is probably the best on a regular basis when I ever got to talk to Charles. That's certainly not unusual. Um, I'll give you a couple of them. So Ray and I, when the pandemic started, Ray and I turned to each other at the end of March 2020 and said, there's no games. What are we going to do? Uh, and like everybody else, we tossed out for the first couple of weeks, like, you know, what's your all time favorite? whatever trash can color uh and then we decided like all right let's do something that we that we haven't had the opportunity to do which is let's do these long form interviews mm -hmm. so we started doing this thing called tell us your story in which we would take one guest and have them or her tell us their whole story for an hour um and then we we're going to end that when the game started but people liked it so we kept it some of the interviews we did in that were really memorable to me. I mean, I'll give you one just off the top of my bat. We're talking to Larry Anderson, speaking of okay. people who are going to be the host of what we're doing on Thursday night uh, at Conchi. And Larry was talking about growing up. And I never knew this. Larry's father was an airline pilot. And Larry was talking about how he's in high school and he's getting ready for the playoff season. And he's home uh, with his sister and his mom. And they get a phone call uh, in the middle of the night that his dad, who was an airplane pilot, had gotten killed uh flying his father died flying a plane and larry started to break down as he's telling us the story uh and it was it was really it was really moving how he told that uh charlie manuel is one of my all-time favorite interviews mm -hmm. the thing about charlie and and anthony gargano and i used to get to do um two hours with charlie at ponzio's uh during the season once a week that was that was really fun that was a what room time. what room did you sit in what room would we sit in? Yeah. Well, when I when I did the show with Ray, we would sit in the front back with Charlie. They'd put us right in the middle of the restaurant. So oh, was, man, the it, garden room. If you ever get to the garden no, the room, garden you know you made great. it. I love the garden room. Absolutely. You, know you made it. Needed too much of a crowd for Charlie. Anyway, um, Charlie Charlie was not good, as you guys know, in the post-game news conferences, right? He just – he wasn't – it wasn't his thing. And Anthony and I realized a couple of weeks in, like, Stop asking a lot of questions. Let him tell stories. So Charlie talking about 
being in Japan and going to the geisha house and having all these being naked in a, in a tub while all these women are washing him um, or Charlie. I mean, again, it's another his father died, but Charlie being 15 when his father died, and he's the oldest of seven kids. I mean, I have it exactly right. But his mother saying, like, you're the you're the man now of the family. And Charlie, you know, Charlie had to turn down the opportunity to go to Penn to play college basketball. No. Yeah. Wow. Who would have known? Wow. I didn't um, know that. So those are those are a couple of my favorites. Um, who's the worst we ever did? Oh, what was his name? Uh, Reggie Leach was one of the worst we ever did. Reggie Leach's old time flyer from back in the day. He wrote a book. So they said Reggie wants to come on to promote his book. So all right, we'll have him on to promote his book. And Reggie was a guy who had real problems with alcohol. So I said, so Reggie, you know, let's talk about this. And and you know, when did you know any problem? He said. Well, you have to you have to buy the book to find out. Like, <laughs> not really. It's not really the way promotion works. Oh God! Hey, Three Glenn. questions and we hung up on him. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just got to cut the plug. Yeah. Um, Ford wants. By the to way, know. one other one other great one. Dawn yeah. Staley was one we did for Tell Us Your Story, uh, and I love Dawn Staley and her talking about. Being that little kid from Philadelphia carrying the American flag in the Olympic opening ceremony was just was a moving story. So she was another of my favorites. Ford wants to know uh, what your all time favorite movie is. Uh, I'm not going to take any real oddball ones. The Godfather is the movie I've seen the most times and, and still a Godfather one and two, I think, are, are the greatest movies ever. Uh, I love Jaws. I love Hoosiers. Um uh, that that probably tops the list. There you go. There's your Mount Cat, Rushmore. Caddyshack. Uh, I got to put Caddyshack up there. Anything from uh, this century? At <laughs> <laughs> least haven't made good movies in the last fifty years, Glenn. Did I? Did I just? Did I just do that? Yeah, Gosh, sure. I think I did. Cinema I stink I now. Well, you know what? But you know why, Glenn? It's because yes. and, and this is kind of like a transitional thing into what you're what you're watching. I know. Yeah. Kev, Kev wanted to ask you that. It's almost like today's generation, we watch more shows, right, so, we, than we do movies. And so, therefore, so here's the, thing. the shows are so great. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. And I'm sure, you know, if I go back and look at the best movies of 2005, I'll find one from this century. In the last five years, Kyle, you seen any movies you've loved in the last five years? Not since The Hangover. Marvel movie? Not, I don't watch Marvel, but not since The Hangover is the last one I can remember being in the movie theater and be like, this was awesome. Hang, Hangover was pretty good, as was the um, – what was the female equivalent they did of that? Uh, 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 Brides Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids, I thought was also really good. So here's the thing. They make two kinds of movies today. They make superhero movies, and they make really artsy-fartsy movies that win Oscars that nobody watches. Like The Shape and, of Water. Oh, Glenn. <laughs> you know that's my most hated movie of all time. Yes. What that's about Wolf Wall Street? It was a, it was about the you know the woman has sex with a fish. That movie was awful. <laughs> I hated that freaking movie. Hollywood's and then it been around the Oscar. for like 150 years. Sometimes you run out of ideas, Glenn. Right. So, but here's the fishing. thing. So those are the only two kind of movies made now. And and I've seen you know enough Marvel movies that like I don't. I I every superhero like uh, forget it. I'm out. Um, I did like Air, by the way. Uh, just to the most yeah. recent movie I Very saw. Good. I like that. I mean, I can good. make my top whatever, but I liked it. It would have made the book that Ray and I wrote, The 100 Best Sports Movies of All Time. Nice. Now, the good stuff's all on TV, and TV is great. There's more 
tremendous programming on TV than there ever was more than you can ever have time to watch. But that's where I, that's where I spend my time. Yeah. Because back in the day, none of the movie stars wanted to be on TV. TV was like this, yeah. this crux, like this red letter and stuff. And then yeah. Netflix, other streaming comes and people are winning awards and winning more golden globes, winning more Oscars off of Netflix and other streaming platforms. than they are at Fox and Paramount and Universal. I, I spend so much money get them every month on, on, you know, Netflix and Apple and Disney and 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 Hulu and like mm-hmm. I get a Brit box I get every single damn one of them. What are you watching now? What's your what's your go to right now? Uh, well, like everybody else, I just finished Succession and really liked it, and I finished yeah. Ted Lasso, which I didn't like. Everybody loved it. I thought it ran out of steam. Dude, you're right with me and Kev. I don't know if uh, if Ant saw it, but we were kind of talking in the group chat the other day, and we were just like, too many storylines for too many yes. people. But- the one thing I will say about Ted Lasso, and I agree that season three kind of, you know, went went off went off the rails a little bit. I did think that the finale was very very good and tied it up really well. So I, I was I was on board with the finale, but I thought that the eleven episodes prior to it, eh, kind of left me. It was suitable. You kind of have to know, you know, it's almost like a band that releases their best albums, and then they you have to say like, hey, I think we've like reached our peak. You know, like sometimes you just got to know when to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, did any of you guys watch Barry, by the way, which just concluded? Uh, I'm, I'm four or five episodes into the last season. That Barry weird. and always had a weird uh, the epi- the, it, it really That show evolved from like a comedy to almost like a horror yeah. movie. It's yeah. really, it's weird. Um, okay, so what am I watching? I am, I am watching um, White House Plumbers Hated on it. HBO, which I'll probably like a lot more than you guys because... I'm old enough to remember Watergate, so I think it, it probably resonates with me more, but it's very funny. Uh, I'm watching the, I just finished The Diplomat, which was a terrific show on Netflix with Kerry Russell. Okay. Anybody? Hello? No, Bueller? No. Anybody? I've no. seen it. I, I haven't seen the, I mean, I've seen the, the show. It's there. I kind of watched it. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed Poker Face this year. I Heard enjoyed The Last of Us this year. Yeah. I enjoyed Albert Elementary this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, shrinking, good comedy on Apple. I like shrinking a lot. Shrinking get into shrinking. Yeah. Okay, Night Agent was a good spy show. Okay, what about uh, uh what about I'm the missing? one with uh, Severance? What about Severance? You get Severance? Oh, Severance was great last year. Yeah, burned yeah. through Severance two yeah. days. So, so here's the thing about Severance. And by the way, I'm pr- I'm that's good that you did because for a lot of people, like two or three episodes, that it didn't catch and they left. You have to stick with it. So Severance was one of these shows that I thought had one great year in it. And they're going to bring it back for another year. And I predict it's going to stink. You're probably right. You're probably right. I didn't didn't love the cliffhanger at the end, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It felt like it was going to be a a, a one season show, maybe uh, a complete different kind of like true detective-ish kind of show or whatnot. But they got it. They got to bring it back. It was too good. I felt that way. I I don't know if any of you guys watch Yellow Jackets. I felt the same way. It's like I'm waiting for the whole end for the mystery to be solved. And the end is like, oh, we're not going to solve it. We're going to make you watch another year. And and Glenn, I want to throw one more at you. And I know it's not from this calendar year. I think it came right around Christmas time. But I don't think it got a lot of love. But I know you loved it. And then because you recommended it. I watched it. I thought it was fantastic. And I recommend it to everybody who probably still hasn't seen it. Bad Sisters. Oh, my favorite show of 2022. It that was, was my phenomenal. top show. It's, What's it on? It's, it, what Apple a, Plus. What, what, okay. It's on who? What is it on? I forget Apple, what it's on. Apple Plus. It's on Apple, Apple Plus. Apple Plus. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, by the way, somebody just put up The Old Man, which was also a really good show. I yeah, love that. Was, that was, that was my summer. mom. Yeah. My mom There's loves mom. The Diplomat and The Old Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you and Kevin's hands. mom. You got the same same taste. Yeah, well, we're probably the same age. Um, <laughs> Bad Sisters was an Irish show about five sisters who are really close, one of whom marries the absolute worst guy in the world. In episode one, he turns up dead. By the way, with a with a huge boner in his death, for what that's worth. Yeah. Um, and worse. and the question is, did they kill him? Did one of them kill him? Who killed him? And it, you go through whatever six eight episodes figuring that out. That was a great show. Love that show. Tremendous yeah. show. I'm watching very, a um, I'm watching a, sci- a sci-fi series on Apple TV right now called Silo. Um, oh yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, it's about these people who all live in this like underground huge bunker, and they're trying to figure out why they're there and how they ended up there. Uh, the other one I'm watching, so this is probably not your demo, Glenn, but I'm watching the Wu Tang Clan uh, drama series that they made. Um, it's, it's interesting because it kind of starts out almost as like more like a crime drama, really, than anything that has to do anything with the group. Um, do do but, they talk about uh, OD, old dirty bastard getting caught in the Grace Ferry uh, McDonald's? <laughs> well, if they do, I haven't gotten there yet. But yes, that is part of the Wu Tang. Spoiler. Story. Yeah, the ODB yeah. getting arrested at the McDonald's in uh, yeah. South. Glenn, Glenn, are you are you into any um, documentaries at all? Um, do you do documentaries? I, I, I do. A big documentary guy. Ted Lasso. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last documentary I watched because I did watch one fairly recently. It's not it's not crossing my mind yet. Yeah, I just I just watched the uh, the Waco one on Netflix, which was oh yeah, how was, was that? Absolutely, well, oh, it was it's riveting because it's they they really show you some things behind the scenes that just show just how poor the FBI and and ATF and communica- communication was, and how that all could have been avoided um, with with the whole David Koresh thing. It was just I thought it was riveting. It's only three episodes, but man, was it was it was it good. Um, but no, I watch a lot of documentaries, so I, I didn't know if that was on your uh, on your list of things that you watch. I watch there. documentaries. Um, I mean, some of my favorites, but they're not new. Uh, Fifteen Feet from Stardom, you know that one, or Twenty Feet from Stardom, about backup yeah. singers and musicians. Great mm-hmm. documentary. Uh, Glorious Bastards of Baseball. Hello. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that the Portland uh, Mavericks, right? Yeah, oh, that, that was the guy invented Big League Chew. Was on that team. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. the guy. Yeah, it's a great yeah. show. Yes. That's I had him on the, my, my former podcast. He was amazing. He was an awesome guy. Glenn, yeah. and anyone else, this is my last question for you. Is there too much content right now? Well, it, it, there's too much content for any one person, right? Because I get because I do every Saturday with, with Ray and now with Mike, what we're watching, people are always recommending shows to me, and I appreciate we're talking about it here. So I get every week 10 shows that people tell me I should be watching, and I can't. But the good news is I think there's stuff for anybody, right? There, there's good stuff for everybody's taste. So, no, there's never too much. Right. Do you ever – ever, my last question. Uh, do you ever do the thing with – and I think – I know Netflix does it. I think uh, one other streamer does it where you don't know what you want to watch and you have that pick for you. I don't – I've never just, done that. No, I, I, I don't. But but it puts up, right, the, the uh, algorithm based on what you yeah. watch. So I'll see like 97% match, 95% match. And it's usually pretty damn close. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I've done it a couple times and something's come up and I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And it's actually pretty good, right? So I like how it works. Yeah. Glenn, what, do you believe in spoilers? I do. And that's yeah. – so here's the problem. This is where the world's changed. So like Succession was a big deal. I don't know if any or all of you watched Succession. 
Okay. But the last episode's a big deal. It happens on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. You can't talk about it because people watch TV on their own time. Now, there's got to be a statute of limitations when you can. But back when um, when The Sopranos was on and I was on Mondays at 10, we used to have like a Soprano segment every Monday and talk about it. And, and it was like, we got Vincent Pastore to come on this show one time and Steven Sharippa. And like, we had really deep dive into Sopranos because everybody watched it Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Now people stream on their own good time. So you can't, you can't do that anymore. And, and I think we've lost that water cooler um, shared experience with TV. What's the statute of limitation on spoilers? Three weeks. What the yeah, that's really, good. That, it's good. That's, that's like really three good. years in internet time, Glenn. We're not in the nineties <laughs> getting Stephen Sherpa and James Gandolfini at ten a.m. on a on a Monday. Yeah, but you're not you're not considering what I said last week. For people who didn't watch the series at all, they see everybody talking about it. Maybe they want to go back and watch from the beginning now. I so had there is no statute of limits. There should be no statute of limitations unless you're talking about like the Little Mermaid or something. Well, you know what? I, th- I say as long as you qualify it before you talk about it. I had then you're fine. Yeah. I had a I had a kid I lived with. I won't call him a buddy because he's not a friend, but I lived with a kid junior year of Temple when um Breaking Bad was coming to an end. Great ending. My, great ending. My we can guy, talk about that now. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. Not with some of these statue of limitations you have yeah, throwing here. Um my guy never watched one episode of Breaking Bad. Guess what he did? He sat on that couch for the whole week. Disregarded class, disregarded food, disregarded everything. And I'm not saying this is great, and I'm not saying that he finished a temple because he did not, but he watched the entire catalog of Breaking Bad so long that there was an indent in the couch of his body because he (laughs) sat there for five days, watched the entire catalog, and was ready for the finale, and that's what we call dedication. People used to believe in something, Glenn. Yeah. I think there were 66 episodes, so that's that's very admirable. So Yeah. 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 Some of those stuff. episodes were heavy too. It's kind of oh, a yeah. hard one, a hard one to binge sometimes. But he was there at the end. So I don't I, see that's you know when when you see greatness being performed in front of you, that's when you don't have any empathy for the people who are on season 3 and waiting for their wife to catch up and then, you know, succession is ruined by a meme. I mean, yeah. Well, Coggin just put a spoiler in here about the wire. Uh, I recall see, see, we, we can't be doing this with the, the the wire can't be spoiled because it was off the air in what? 07, 09, it's 21 years. The wire is tough. When you go back and watch The Wire now, The Wire just looks old. You know? Yeah, it didn't age as well as some of the others. I so so here's my order of all time greatness is Sopranos one, Breaking Bad two, Wire three. That's fine. It's pretty bad. That's that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I mean, Game of Thrones can't go in there because of the last season. Well, the the way it ended. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It makes top ten though. Makes top ten. The the wire. The wire people are a little like they're um they're kind of like Flyers fans in a way. Like you want to love it, but if you don't love it enough, they're like gonna criticize you for like not loving it enough and not putting it in your top five. That's true. See, I would say that sounds like soccer, but I don't know that we want to go down that road. <laughs> oh, that, that being said, I'm just surprised that you watch Ted Lasso at all, you know. <laughs> I've I become I become much more open minded as I've aged. Yeah, you have, you have. Yeah, hey, he's doing that. theater now, right? I mean, come on, let's think about and, it. And and uh, that... allow me to thank my friend Anthony Sanfilippo for getting <laughs> yeah. me into it. I, I actually have stood on a stage and sung and danced in front of three hundred people. That's something I never thought I'd do. <laughs> in your underwear, no less. 
In my underwear. All right, let's not scare the audience. <laughs> <laughs> we got to sell tickets. Yeah, I we got to sell that picture in the damn program last year. Yes, I did put that picture in the program last year. <laughs> hey, uh, Glenn, before we before we let you go, we appreciate you with all your time and everything. Can you just plug your event one more time for people yeah. that are listening? Appreciate that. So uh, Thursday, and I hope I see some of you guys there. Thursday night, uh, Conchalk and Brewing Company, which I am a part of, has put out a release called uh, uh, Fransky NLA Bedlam at the Bank Golden Ale. And we are having the release party 6 to 9 p.m. at our place in Bridgeport, Puddler's Kitchen and Tap, uh, 3 to Calb Street. There is It's $20 to get in, and that gets you the buffet. You get to hang with Scott and Larry, Bernie Perrant. The Fanatic's going to be there early. Uh, Joe Conklin is going to be there. Uh, some of my WIP colleagues. The auctions, going to be a photo booth, going to be whoa, all kinds of fun fun T-shirt sales. Oh, Mike Sielski, I should say this, Mike Sielski, Tyler Kepner and Todd Zalecki are going to do a little author's uh, sale, a little book sale. All kinds of things go in. And amazing beer. Money goes to the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative. I should have cool. said more about the beer. The beer is great. Drink the beer. Hey, uh, silent auction or live auction? Both. The live Damn. auction. All right. Can I tell you what we got? Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Got well, last time I did a live auction, I ended up in Badar, Spain. So this might not be good for me. Oh, no, no. There's no trips to Spain. However, oh, however. Let me find it. Okay. There is. Bernie Perron is going to sell a uh, Bernie signed Bernie Perron hockey jersey right off of his back. There is the opportunity to get the ultimate Philadelphia fan experience, Phillies fan experience, where you uh, go to batting practice on the field. Then you hang out with Larry and Scott in the booth. Uh, I have in my possession the yellow legal pads full of Ray Dinger's notes from the Super Bowl and all of his draft reports which my wife is putting into a beautiful notebook. You get Ray Dinier's uh, uh, original yellow legal pads. Uh, dinner for four with Charlie Manuel. I don't know, all kinds of good stuff. So, good. And, and by the way, because I know that a lot of this stuff quickly gets out of the reach of a lot of people economically, we are really careful that we have some very affordable items that people are going to be able to walk away with for 30, 50 bucks. Including, yeah. by the way, Anthony, a barbecue set made out of reconditioned hockey sticks from Noah Cates. Hold on. Oh, very nice. Pull that out. There you go. That's cool. You have that up. Look at you. Have it. We're put it up on the screen. This is great. There, there you go. Right there. Wow. They're Noah Cates' hockey sticks that are yes. turned yes. into barbecue sets. Yeah, I got all great. this stuff in my house. Chaz Palminteri autographed baseball. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I got. Oh, let, let me just give you this. This is what my house is right now. I don't know if that's showing, but I got I got stacks of stuff here. That's great. That's fantastic. Trey Turner autographed bat. That's going to go in a raffle. Plenty of. Now nah, I'm taking the Chaz ball all day. I'm I'm go. winning that Chaz ball. On, on hey, the bat, the, prior to prior to last night, that bat would have been pretty uh, pretty crystal clean because it was missing so many balls. That's right. Two home run yeah. indentations right on this bat. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> you should get a you should get a Nick Cassiano signed Bryce Harper. No, Bryce Harper signed Nick Cassiano's bat because he brought back. Uh, Bryce, he did. Yeah. Well, I don't have that, but we do have a, a Bryce Harper autograph baseball. So we well, got that. That'll do too. Yeah. That'll yeah. do too. Good hey, too. Glenn, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate. Hey, guys, it. this is a pleasure. Anytime. Appreciate Love the it. opportunity to plug the event too. Hey, thanks, you got guys. it. All right. Be well. All right. We'll see you around. See you later. Is there anything we missed? We went a little long, but if we is there anything we missed? No, it was great. He was on for an hour. No, no, it was fun. Never, man. Mind, never mind my technical issues. 
But no, it's good. Where were you driving though? You said your doctor was like 20 minutes away, but it looked like yeah, you were well, going to like. Then I hit then I hit traffic coming down the Blue Route. Yeah. So from Wayne to Spring, Wayne to Springfield is it's exit 13 to exit five. It's only eight miles on the. Blue you don't use Ways. I don't need to use. I know how to go. Like why would I use Ways if I know how to go? Well, Ways knows the the satellite of. Yes, and there are how many exits between 13 and five? I don't. You One. tell me. One. <laughs> But maybe there's some back roads that could have got right? you. So, so if I don't, if I if I'm in traffic before that, then I can't get off. If I'm if it's after that, my next exit's mine anyway, right? So, it doesn't really matter. Blue Route is just as bad as 76 sometimes now. Yeah, like, I think that's an underrated story. That may have to be a post. May have to it's be the, the Blue Route sucks. The yeah. Blue Route truly sucks. And it, but, and we when it you, but we appreciate you uh, <clears throat> joining us with yeah. clean audio on the back end. Yeah, I did did what I could, and then I accidentally X'd out of the screen when I was looking at the chat chat room, and that's why I dropped out. So you're getting old. It's okay. Yeah, I am getting old, man. I was talking about that this weekend. Like I was down in down in Nashville, uh, Maria's daughter's twenty uh, first. <laughs> you're way too old for Nashville. Holy right? hell! Well, well, hey, I was hanging for the first few nights, but by literally by by Saturday night, it was like I'm done. We were there Thursday, Friday. I was good the first two nights. Saturday night, I was like, we're we're spent. And then Sunday was just, I was a zombie all day Sunday. Oh, I'm it too old for bad. Nashville. I can't even imagine what you were like in Nashville. Damn. I know. I know. Oof. It sucks. All right. Sucks. But anyway. Hey, appreciate it, Ant. Thank you so much, Kev. Thank you. Craig, on the ones and twos. And, uh, and you, the listener, you have a good day. We'll talk to you Thursday. David Edelman, co-owner of the Sixers. We got a yeah. uh, pre-recorded interview tomorrow that we're doing that we'll release on, uh, on Thursday. So we'll talk to you then. And uh, have a good rest of the day.